So we are in week two of a uh, three-week Easter series. You may be thinking, but Easter's today. How do we have a third week? Well, because I've got an after party next week, okay? So, um, so uh, you know, this week I, I grabbed my iPad from up here and I said, oh, I better not forget this. I don't want to not have it on Sunday. I don't know where I put it. <laughs> it's somewhere safe. It just so safe that I can't remember. It's probably in, in my police vehicle, which is probably because I was driving that on Thursday here and was like, oh, I need this, and probably threw it in that car. And so, so if you see me wandering around with my phone, I'm not checking Facebook or anything, my message is on here, okay? So just a little heads up. Um, man, I, I get so excited for Easter because to me, it's a good pause to remind us that we just don't go to church. Church isn't just something we go to. It isn't just something that we're a part of because it makes us a good person and we check the box and all that, but there is a power behind Jesus, amen? Um, if, and, and, and I'll say this, I think sometimes we forget that because it becomes so normal to us, so comfortable for us, that we forget that Jesus is a powerful, miracle-making God. And, uh, and this week, I wanna talk about that the fact that Jesus is like no other that has ever gone before him or will ever come after him. Easter is a day where we celebrate that Jesus did what no other belief system can claim and prove. You may be going, well, hold on. How do we know that he actually raised from the dead? Um, There's a lot of historical proof, but I actually read a really interesting question last night when I was studying. What if they found a tomb with a body in it and said it was Jesus's? Would it change your faith? Man, that question really struck me. I was like, wow. I was like, that's a really good question, right? Because we claim that he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And, and so it's like, and, and, and by the way, this was a Christian author that was writing it, but he, he's, a, he's a professor at a theology uh, uh, college. And, and uh, he, this, he says he opens up theology class with that question. If, if one day they found a body in a tomb and, 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 and scientists were able to prove that it was Jesus' body, would it change your faith? I'm like, wow. Because that's pretty earth-shattering, right? Um, but he goes on to say that, that the reality is, is that, that, one, they never will, um, that they won't, but we've got to be, and they call it um, apologetics, where, where you, it's a, a healthy debate of your faith system, not a angry debate, but you know how to defend it because a lot of people are gonna come up and say, well, how do you know Jesus is real? How do you know that he was, how do you know he really walked the earth? How do you know he really raised from the dead? And you know, there's actual historical documentation that is outside of the Bible. Um, Jewish people uh, didn't like Jesus, by the way. If you've if you, if, if you read the Bible, you kind of know that. Most of them did not get down with him. And so when they write about it, you gotta remember, after he resurrected, they wrote that the body was gone. Not even just the Christians, not even the disciples. The Jewish people wrote that the body was there no more. Now, what they tried to do was they tried to spin it as if the disciples stole the body. You actually read that in the Bible. But even in the Jewish historical writings, they write that the disciples came and they overpowered the Roman guards and they overpowered the gigantic rock that was rolled in front of it and they stole a body and they ran away. Um, that's, the, that's the belief that the Jewish uh, culture says about Jesus. He did what no other God did. Jesus resurrected from the grave and took his place with God the Father and producing a path for all of us, all of humanity, to have a relationship with God. I've said this before. 
when you go back to what they had to do, not even to, it wasn't even really to have a relationship with God. It was just to, to, to roll their sins forward. They would have to go once a year to the, to the main priest of their area. And they'd have to bring a perfect sacrifice, right? A lamb, a dove, uh, a cow, whatever that perfect sacrifice was. And they'd bring it, and, and the priest would slit the throat of that animal, and they would pour the blood out on the altar, and, and they would have a ceremony that rolled the sins, not forgiven the sins, but rolled the sins of all of Israel forward to the next year until they did it again. Could you imagine that weighing over you? That at some point, that sin would come back. That, that burden of that sin would come back. Jesus comes and he says, no more will that sin ever be uh, remembered, but it's forgotten. The Bible says that he forgives us of our sins and it is, uh, it is cast as far as the east is from the west. Those two can never touch. Those two, those two can never come back and align with each other. And so when you choose to follow Jesus, he says, listen, your sin isn't just rolled forward for one day to go. Well, Junior, remember when this happened, God won't do that to you. Chris, remember when you talked like that? Remember when, when your actions didn't line up with my word? Ah, I, I, no, it, it will never be like that. It says that his role is no longer rolled, but it's completely when the veil was torn, a relationship with God the Father was enacted where we didn't need a priest. You don't need to come to me. I don't want to know all your junk. You now have direct access to God the Father where you say, hey, I've messed up. And I need your forgiveness. Hey, I want to look more like you. I want to live more like you. I want to know more of your presence. We don't need a priest. Now, you, listen, I, I, that doesn't mean get rid of me. I kind of like you and kind of like this church. Um, I, I still have a part to play as a pastor to, to guide and direct. But, but I, I am not the, 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 the conduit to Jesus. I am just the, the, the person speaking the truth to, to walk you through your life and your faith journey to point you to the one who is. I can't forgive your sins. Only Jesus was allowed and capable of doing that. Living a perfect life, dying on a cross so that we might know a real relationship with Jesus. Jesus didn't go to the cross so that we would have to earn our place with God or show him how much we love him. And, and, and the greatest conversation that probably has ever had about Christianity is, is, is uh, acts-based faith. And, and, and it can kind of sound like, a, uh, uh, you know, just a, a use of words where you say, well, we still have to live a certain way and act a certain way. Yes, but it's out of the motive of what we do it. I don't act a certain way to gain God's love. God loved me, period. Like there's God loves me, period. There is no but or and or or to it. God loves me, period. Start a new sentence because of that love. I choose to live a certain way. It's not because it's not to gain that love, I act a certain way. It's because of that love, I live a certain way. And it's like with no other relationship, right? Every other relationship. We love somebody, we will change and, and grow. It's not changing to become somebody else. Junior didn't become somebody different a few weeks ago when he married Sky. He's like, eh, well. Now, he may grow into the man that she demands. I mean, ask. <laughs> right? It's, 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 it's a growth process. There are things that they do 
that the other person doesn't like. If that's marriage, by the way. <laughs> if you've been married, are married, you understand that. There's no such thing as a perfect partner. Amen. But we grow. And we grow not because we want to gain their love. They love us. We grow because we want to be the best version of ourselves for them. That's the same relationship with God. I don't have to act a certain way to gain God's love. I know that God loves me. He loved me. The Bible says he loved me while I was still sinning. He went to the cross for me. So if that's the case, there's nothing I can do to gain more love. So when I am loved, I then act out of that love. Jesus is the reason we want to live differently. There's no other like Jesus. I want to read the, out of the, the book of Acts. It was the scripture that I read last week, Acts 4. Um, and there's a, a 7 through 13, and this is kind of the core aspect of our message this morning. It says this, and when they had set them in the midst, this is the, the Jewish uh, synagogue, their religious system, their, their political church environment, set Peter and John in the midst because they had just healed somebody <gasps> on the Sabbath. They were so wrong. And so they were, they were bringing them to the, the group of, of religious leaders and saying, hey, you did something wrong. You healed somebody on the Sabbath. Could you imagine that? It's like some, bringing somebody to church on a Sunday and they get healed and you go, <gasps> what are you doing? You healed in the middle of church. You're not, this is about Jesus, not about you. This is kind of what they were doing. It says, they brought him in the midst of them. They inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, so much shade, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I love verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I love that. They hear Peter and John and, and they healed a man. Okay? They, they literally healed, they, they prayed for a crippled man and he became uncrippled. He became whole. And, and the religious people had a problem with that. Because it didn't fit their, their, their church service. It didn't fit their, their look at us, we've got it all together mentality. But he's dirty. He was a beggar. He doesn't belong here. They tried to catch Peter and John in a twist up and, and they said, whoa, 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 it's not even about us. You really want to know the reason why this man is healed? It's because of the guy that you went uh, and took to the cross. That Jesus that you, that you hung on a cross and that you killed? Yeah, he is actually God in the flesh and it's because of his name and his power that we're able to live through that and pray over this man in the Holy Spirit. He healed him. It was Jesus that did it. It wasn't even us. 
And so they, they go on and, and, and their boldness, the Holy Spirit moving through them. So a couple of thoughts about no other. First of all, we have to recognize that Jesus is no other name. Now, can I tell you, Jesus was a common name. It was. Look, look it up in the Jewish. Uh, Jesus was, it wasn't like he was the only Jesus. Okay? That's, what, that's why anybody ever get, get confused because they're like, sometimes he's Jesus Christ. Sometimes he's like Emmanuel. Sometimes he's like, it's like this boy's like got a whole bunch of different names, like, you know, depending on where he shows up. But all of it rolls together and it makes sense. Yeshua. Yeshua was not, it was, it, it's, a, it's a common name. But he was Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. There was something that set him apart from every normalcy and normal thing that came through. There is no other name than God. His name, first and foremost, it brings salvation. We can't work for it. We can't earn it. We, listen, there's no, no, no other thing in this world can bring you salvation. No magic, no, 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 nothing can bring you the peace that, that Jesus provides in salvation. It is, listen, and it's not just an eternal ticket. Like, because if that was the case, I always think about this. If, if, if it was just about eternity, if it was just about heaven, why wouldn't God just take us when we say, Jesus, I want to choose to follow you? And he goes, boom, gone. You will never have to sin again. You'll be with me today. Like, that would just be a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? Like, Jesus, I want to be in heaven. Done not have to worry about stress and worry and pain and hurt and whether am I going to screw up and make mistakes. But see, it's about the journey. It's about the fact that you live a life that, that you can reach people that nobody else can. You have a purpose of, of bringing people along to heaven with you. Like, you're not meant to come alone. You're not meant to just, well, you know, I punched my ticket to heaven. I've asked for salvation and I'm good to go. No, no, the, the goal is to like then live a life. The Bible says live a life in which they see God's glory and they praise God for it and they will know his good works so that they'll want to join. See, the goal is to say, hey, I don't want to go alone. Let's go. Come on. Let me, let me point you to Jesus. After, first, uh, after Good Friday service, we were walking down around um, First Friday, and I ran into a couple of the people I work with, and um, one of them looked at me and said, what was that, like, band thing y'all were doing up there? I said, oh, that was church. They said, no, 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 no. The thing, like, at Postmasters, I said, yeah, 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 that, that was church. They're like, no, that didn't sound like church music. I said, you're going to the wrong church. <laughs> right? They're like, nah, that sounded like music. And I'm like, nah. I mean, I guess you can move. I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not a dancer, so that's not me. But, but they were astonished because this idea of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be churched and what it means to be a part of a community of faith, for a lot of people, it's, 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 it's standoffish because of what their mind has seen through the ages of Christianity doing to people. And we live, in a, we live in a place in the South where everybody, it's like cheers. Everybody knows God's name, but not everybody knows the power that's attached to it. Oh, we, we like to go to church, but we don't know what it's like to live and be the church. And we got to realize that God's name has power. Philippians says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That doesn't make you a God. It says that you have the ability to pray, God, give me your mindset. Give me your spirit. Give me your heart and love for other people. 
Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross, the worst death you could do at the time. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His name is above all names. His name has power when we understand the power that is attached to it. That's why, that's why one of the commandments is you shall not use God's name in vain. Because it has power, and when we lessen his name to anything other than what it is intended for, then we spit on the very act that Jesus did for us. That may sound harsh. That's what the Bible says, that, that his name is holy and reverent. And when we use it for anything other, when we don't understand the power behind it, no little G God is like him. No moment in life can produce joy like him. Superficial love doesn't compare to his sacrificial love. His name holds power. It holds healing. It speaks truth. It holds purpose and changes lives. That is the name above all names. That is the Jesus that I live and want to die for. That is the Jesus that I will go to the ends of the earth and live my life for. No other name attached to any other person can do anything like Jesus did. It's like a cheesy slogan, but you've tried the rest, now it's time to try the best. I mean, how many of us go run around and we try to fill our lives with stuff to realize it's empty void at some point? Whatever it is, we all, listen, and, and everybody is guilty, like everybody. There's not one person in this world that has ever tried to fill their life with purpose and love and felt unsatisfied. But I've been told if I chase relationships, but I, I'm, I'm told if I just find a really good hobby that gives me purpose, if I just join this group or join this club or, or do these things or find my people, not to realize that there is a part of us that our spirit longs for the glory of God and there is no way to fill that hole without Jesus. No other name. I'm telling you, when you speak that name, we sing that song, I Speak Jesus. I love it. Because so many times we think that we have to have the right prayers, the right words. We've got to do this. We've got to have all the, you know, all the right scriptures in place. And I've got to be a good Christian. And like, no, you need to stop and realize that maybe all you need to do is say, Jesus, I need you in this moment. It's the fact that I can't do it on my own that I need you to step in and do it. It's the fact that I can't feel this, this void of, of depression and anxiety and hurt and pain that I've walked through on my own. And so, Jesus, I need you not to come and watch, just, just blanket over it. I need you to come and make it gone. You see, Jesus doesn't put, he isn't a puzzle piece. And I think a lot of times we hear this about Jesus, right? We, he's, a, he's a missing puzzle piece. No, no, no. He throws the puzzle piece on the ground and he gives you wholeness. You're not a bunch of broken pieces that are finally put together because of Jesus. Jesus literally wipes the table clean and says, let's build you whole. So that you don't go back to that puzzle piece that says, attitude. Go back to that puzzle piece that says, addiction. 
Go back to that puzzle piece that says depression. That when God, when Jesus heals you of it, it's not a part of the puzzle. It may be a part of your testimony, but it isn't a part of the wholeness. So many times we want to run back to what held us down because we haven't allowed Jesus to heal us because we haven't given him the full power of his name over our life. The second thing is that he's not only no other name, but he's no other love. I love what he says in in this scripture. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. And a lot of you may know this back end of it. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Now, can I tell you that we make it cute by, and listen, no knock on our veterans or, or our war, but this was not talking about a soldier. And I know we like to attach it to the, the sacrifice of a soldier, but he's talking spiritually here. He's foreshadowing his death. Jesus is saying, he's he's getting them prepped in their mind and in their spirit. There is no greater love than the love of a sacrifice for your soul. Now, yes, we are very honored by our veterans and our our military that do put their life on the line and, and, and sacrifice their life for us. But when Jesus is speaking this, he's prepping their spirits to say, I'm about to do this very thing and you don't even know it yet. The power of love will drive you to sacrificial living. He knew what he was saying. He was foreshadowing his death, sacrifice, and calling his followers to live a sacrificial life as well. It says love that Jesus loved. His kind of love was sacrificial, selfless, purposeful, and for the sake of others. I thought of it this way. We live with the love of God as our compass. Think about that. Does God's love dictate your move? It's easy for him to dictate your move when it's, it's good, right? Wife's happy. Mm, everything's well. Jesus. But what about in the middle of the argument? When it's tense. When you want to raise your voice, but the Holy Spirit is in the background going, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it. And listen, we've all been there, whether it's with our spouses or a friend or a coworker, we've all been there, listen, where we've shut the spirit down and done what we wanted to do. But that's God's love. He's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa it's not just what you, uh, not what you, just what you want, not just what makes you feel good, but it's sacrificial. Say, I'm sorry when, when, when it's tough. Even if it, listen, and, 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 and I'm bad at this. I'm sorry that you felt that way. <laughs> You know, was that really an apology? No. Because why? Because we don't want to be sacrificial. We don't want to lay ourselves bare in front of somebody else and say, you know what, even if I think you've done wrong, I'm just going to apologize. I'm sorry that I did this. Now, don't follow that up with, now, what are you sorry for? (laughs) That, That doesn't work well either. Jesus gave us this beautiful example of what love looked like, and he never wanted anything in return. He just would, he would just do, oh, I'm going to heal you because you need to be healed. And it's my love that pours out for you and, and heals you. And it does, he, there's, what, can, what can somebody who is healed by Jesus give him in return other than to live their life for him? He says, I'm following you. 
He said, I just, I just, Jesus just poured out of his heart sacrificially, selfishly. And he says, that's how I want you to live, to lay down your life for others. Like what would drive a person to, to pick up their whole family and move to some country they, they don't even know and, and then die at the hand of martyrdom? Jesus, because he did it for me. What would cause somebody to say, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going I'm to go do this because I want to have a difference and, and make an impact in the kingdom? It's his love. It is his compassion and love that caused and still causes God's heart to move on our behalf. For God so loved the world. We all know John 3.16. We've all heard it a thousand times probably, even if we never went to church. We hear John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Think about that. There's, a, there's a, um, a movie in theaters right now called His Son. We haven't gone and seen it. Um, and it's one of those short-term, like it'll probably be gone by Sunday, right? But it's actually a movie that's based off of Abraham and the sacrificing of his son. See, Jesus wasn't, or God wasn't the first person to, to, to choose sacrificial, uh, sacrificial giving of his son. He asked Abraham to do it. Could you imagine? I've got a son. I would, listen, I'm telling you right now, never do it. I know my level of godliness. It's just not there. Like, I would love to stand up here and be like, I would do anything for Jesus, including give up my son. No. There's a lot that would have to change in me for God to get me there. When I read that story, when I see that, like, I just, I think of what Abraham would have to be going through as he's walking up the mountain and he's taking his son and he's like, God, I know there's another way, but you know what? He prepared it. He prepared the fire. He prepared the altar. He put his son on the altar. He had the knife ready to go. He was willing to go through with it. And then God made a way. The difference between that story and Jesus is that Jesus had to die on the cross because he brought salvation to all who would follow him. His love is like no other that he's willing to sacrifice his own son. This is my commandment. That's what he says. This is my commandment. A commandment isn't something that we get to choose, right? I command you isn't a choice. It's not if I feel good or if I'm having a good day, I'll do it, right? Show God's love. Cool. If I'm having a good day, all is good. If it's a bad day, nah. No, no, what does he say? This is my commandment, that you would love like Jesus. That's how much he wants his followers to follow him. And there's not a when you or if it. It's just... Love people like I've loved them. That's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. But if Jesus is our example and, and there's power in his name and, he, and, and there's the, the power of love is in his presence and in his spirit, then what, when we're asking for revival and we're asking for God to change people's hearts, then it's got to start with love. They've got to see that you care before they'll ever attend or go anywhere with you. We have met people over and over and over again that have walked through these doors that said, I was almost ready to give up on church. I've seen what church looks like and it hurt me. You know what? I, I, my, my prayer is, God, let this always be a place. We may not be perfect in a lot of things, but God, let us always care for people. 
Let them know. I was, I was listening to Caleb. I don't do it a lot because they play the same four songs. I don't, listen, no knock, okay? But it's just the reality. You know it's true too, okay? But I was listening to a, um, one of the radio uh, people talking, and uh, they were talking about how the church sometimes hurts people. And he said, yeah, I remember sitting in my, my church one day, and this lady walked in, and she wasn't dressed as what we would call appropriate for church. And he goes, I watched somebody walk up to her and lean over and whisper something in her ear. And he goes, I don't know what she said, but I know what her response was, was it's the only thing I had. That doesn't break your heart. We would push somebody away from eternally knowing the love of God because we think that they're not dressed good enough. I don't care if you come in a three-piece suit or if you come in shorts and flip-flops. And you know what? If a prostitute ever comes into this church, we better love her with the love of God. It's not our job to clean the fish. Our job is to catch, point them to Jesus, And if we want to be a helping hand, if we really want to mentor them, then maybe we step up and say, hey, you know what, sister? We got you. Let's go shopping. Instead of judging for what they're wearing. Or that kid that maybe doesn't, maybe all they they know is, I got to dress up for church. So they wear the same shirt. Shut up. (laughs) Had to talk to my wife for a minute, not any of you. Little thoughts in the back of her head. Um, I wore the same blue shirt to church for like a year. Uh, because it was my only collared shirt. Now, it's not that my parents were poor. It's just all I had, okay? It's, I, didn't, I didn't wear collared shirts as a teenager. I thought I needed to. So I got made fun of by my church folk. But they loved me, so it was okay. It was out of love. Um, and I'd probably burn that shirt at some point. Uh, but, but that kid that dresses like that. I'm telling y'all, when, when people see the love of God, when they walk through the building, because listen, it's the scariest thing to walk through a church building when you're not sure what's on the other side. But when they meet God's love, they got to meet it from us first. We love the way that God loved, and it changes people. The last thing is this. There's no other name. There's no other love. There's no other power. We do not serve a dead God. I'm going to run through a couple of scriptures that I want to share with you. The first one is in Jeremiah. It says this, Lord, there is no one like you. For you are great, and your name is full of power. The next scripture says this. It says, one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I want to pause right there because here's where I think the church gets it backwards is that we want it to be really cool and we want to heal the sick, but we're not focused on Jesus and the kingdom. God, we want your power because we want to look like a really cool church. I want to go, I want to, I want to go around and just be like, be healed, be healed, be healed. But what does it say in the order that they did it in? It says that they went around sharing the kingdom of God and the power of God followed it. 
I shared the kingdom of God because it doesn't matter if they get physically healed if they do not know that they are spiritually desperate. Can I tell you, I'll go out on a limb and say that I think God would care more that we share eternity with somebody than whether or not they are physically healed. Paul says this, he goes, what good is it to to have your body in order if your spiritual life is not? I'd rather be spiritually fit than physically fit, obviously. (laughs) Some of you, oh, there we go, it trickled through. (laughs) Bad pastor jokes. The next scripture says this, and now, O Lord, hear. So this this set of scriptures from from Acts 4, it's the follow-through of the very beginning scripture. This is what happens at the end. They they are released by the, the spiritual leaders. And here's what they're told. They're told, don't you do that again. Don't you share God's message again. Don't you share what Jesus can do. And don't you for sure heal anybody. Bad people, you rebels. That's what's told to them. And here's the threat that goes along with it. Or we'll do worse to you. So they go back to where all the other disciples, all the other followers of Jesus are, and, 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 and this is what they do. They start praying together. <laughs> and it says this, this. This is their prayer. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I want to end with this challenge. Do we pray that way? Do you pray? Like, like when somebody comes at you for your faith, like, listen, they were literally told, don't do this or we're going to hurt you. Kendall, stop praying out loud. Don't, don't talk to Jesus, about Jesus at the dealership or else we're going to come after you. We're going we're gonna to have your job. We're going to get you fired. We're going we're gonna to throw you in jail. And then we're going to beat you. I want to give you the visual picture of what that looks like. Put yourself in that place, whatever you do. Don't you, don't you share Jesus with your friends. Don't you pray healing over their lives or else we're going to cut you off the radio or we're going to get you fired from Aerojet or Lockheed or, or we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get you out in the middle of Camden and we're going to beat you. Instead of running and hiding, they go back to the group and they pray. What do they pray? God protect us. No. <laughs> oh God, quiet the voices of our enemy. No. Their prayer is God give us boldness so that we can preach louder. God give us the strength so that, that when we walk out into this earth, that they know who Jesus is and that we see healing happen where we are. And you know what? If if it if it if it takes place, then then so be it. We will take on the punishment. But we know that you have power. And so therefore we cannot be quiet. We will not be quiet. And we will live a life with power and love. Do you pray like that? God wants his people to live in the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We are called to do these kind of things. But it's not in our own strength, our timing, our purpose, but the Father's. All Jesus asks is that we're willing. Why is Easter so powerful? Because he rose from the dead. Why is that important? Because he wanted you to have a relationship with the Father. I want you to think about that. Jesus did what he did, not to make himself look good. He did it so that you could have relationship with God the Father.
Jesus knew that because in the garden, he said, Father, if there's any other way that we could do this, and let's do it that way. He said, not my will, but yours be done. If I need to be sacrificed for the glory of God to connect your people with you again, so that over 2,000 years from now, people in Camden can know your goodness, know your love, and know your power. Then so be it. There's no other power other than Jesus. And can I tell you this? We will never be a church that chases his hand. If God's gonna do it, he's gonna do it. We don't need to beg him for it. There's nowhere in the Bible where you see people have to beg God to do anything. We just got to be willing and allow him to move. Do you need healing? He might heal you. Listen, hold on. I want, and I want you to hear this. He's able to heal you. He might do it. There, there's a difference. He's able. Oh, our, our God isn't short on miraculous moves. But it may not be what you need to walk through. We know this when Paul asked, God, take this thorn from my side. And Jesus says, why? So that you can feel like you're strong again? No, no, no. In your weakness, I'm made strong. So that whole bunk theology that if you're sick, it's because you've got sin, that's a lie. We know that because of Job. That it's God's willingness to do what he needs to do in your life so that you can live for the glory of him. Maybe your sickness brings people to Jesus. Maybe your struggle helps other people when he walks you through it. So don't be so quick to get out of your Saturday to get to Sunday. Press into it. Pastor Michael spoke about that. Press into our Saturday so that our Sunday is sweeter. Because his power is authentic. I want to live in that power. I want to proclaim that power. Don't be afraid when somebody says, man, my, I'm sick or I'm needing, I'm needing this. Don't be, listen, that is when we shine. Let me pray with you. And can I, can I challenge you this? Get in the habit of praying for them, not just saying you'll pray for them. Like pray with them. Cool, I'll pray for you tonight as well, but can, hey, you, got, you got five seconds, let me pray for you. And you don't have to get out your best spiritual behavior book. Oh, Jesus, Hallelujah. We come to thy father. Like, listen, they don't want any of that. They want the authentic Jesus. What did Peter and John do? The beggar at the, the, at, at the synagogue. All he wanted was some silver and coin. Just give me some coin. That's all I need. He says, I don't got any money, but what I do got, I'll give you. Get up and walk. That sounds like a really incredible prayer. It took two seconds. We sit there, we need to lay like all hands and feet on people. We need to pray for two hours for God to do something. No, he, they literally said, get up and walk. Because they knew the power of the name that they spoke in. And it wasn't for their glory, it was for his. I want to give you one last scripture, 2 Timothy. It says this. I would encourage you to go back and read the scriptures before that. But this is my, my challenge. To, let's not be these people. So after all the things that I've listed about that these are the kind of people we want to be, we want to be a people of power. We want to be a people that understand that his name is above all names, that his name 
carries love. This is what we don't want to be known as. And 2 Timothy says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. He's warning them against the church that looks like they know Jesus, but they refuse to walk in his power. Jesus didn't come to die so that we could look good and so that we could have beautiful places. If we wreck this building for the glory of God, so be it. <laughs> Not trying to, but I'm just saying if it, if it happens, it happens. Pretty places don't, don't mean anything to Jesus. He turned tables because they made the church something that it wasn't. And I want to worship him. I want to live for him. I want to know his power. I, I, I don't even want it to be in this building, man. I want, I, want, I want to carry it out with us that they know the power of God that when we move in our workplaces, in the marketplace, with our friend groups, that they're like, there's something different. Yeah, it's because like Peter Day getting a little better and a little closer. Why? Because Jesus died so that I could have a relationship with a real God. Will you pray with me? How many are so thankful for what Jesus did on the cross? Amen? That one simple statement, not a simple act, but that simple statement, had nothing to do, he, Jesus gained nothing about the cross. But he did it so that God could gain us again. And in return, all he asks is that we live our lives for him. That we move in his love, we move in his power. That we behold the name of Jesus with power and authority and purpose. And so, Father, I pray today for each and every person in this room. God, I pray that you would, that you would move in a way that each and every one of us need. God, I believe that you know, even as we sit here, God, you know the needs of each person. God, you're willing to move and, and act on our behalf. God, give us ears to hear your word and hear your will that, that when, when, when we ask for something, we also are willing to listen to your command. Maybe it's that not now. Maybe it's a wait. Maybe it's a maybe. Maybe it's a no. Maybe it's a yes. But God, we would listen to your voice. Holy Spirit, give us your ear to hear the word and the will of God. Pour out your presence in our spirit, not just at church, but in our homes. God, I pray for our homes and our community that we would live in such a way that it changes people to know you. And it's not about us. It's a selfless love. It's a sacrificial love. And so we want to move in that. God, let us be a church that moves in your power. The only way to be a church that moves in your power is that we're individuals that move in your power proclaiming boldness and living a life of love. I pray that over each and every one of us, that we, as we live our life, we remember what you did on the cross, why you did it. And the why you did it was us, to draw us to the heartbeat of God so that we could live a life with purpose and value and godliness. I pray that over each and every one of us. And maybe you're in this room today and you've done one of two things. Maybe you've fallen away from God. You've walked away from the very will and, 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 and purpose of your life for him. 
Or maybe you've never made the expression to say, I want to follow Jesus. If, if you're in the room and, and that's you today, I just want to pray for you. If you've never made the declaration to follow Jesus or you have and, and you've kind of walked away from him and you want to recommit your, your walk to him today, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. That's all I want to do. Amen. Amen. God sees those hands. God, we ask that our hearts would be to follow you. Not to say a, a prayer and, and, and call, say amen and, and then go about our lives, but God, that you would challenge our heart to follow you. To understand that you died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. And as Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, that we believe in our hearts first that you died on the cross and rose again. And then we profess with our mouth and we live with our life. Jesus, have your way in our life. This week, I pray, given, give us opportunity to speak of you boldly. Open doors where we can share our testimony and share our story of what you mean to us with somebody. And that we would start to invest in others the way that you invest in us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We give you glory and honor. In your name we pray. Amen. 